CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is sponsored by Zengo. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on the hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. It's the hash. Thank you for being here with us on this Wednesday, the day after Taco Tuesday and a few days before the weekend. I'm Jen. We got Will, Zach, and Wendy on the show today. Will, you're kicking us off with some market news. Let's talk about trading, okay? Bitcoin went up 5% yesterday and 5% today. The bulls are back in control. And that means there's a lot of blood in the street for everyone who's shorting Bitcoin. People who we don't like. Remember, we don't like any perma bears out there. There's about $500 million worth of liquidations on FTX yesterday, which was definitely the largest exchange for liquidations yesterday. And there was about $700 million total in total liquidations. That was the highest since July of 2021. And if you remember back then, July 2021, that's when we saw the first crash from the previous all-time high of Bitcoin from April 2021, where we tipped over $60,000. And two months later, we dipped almost as low as $27,000 per Bitcoin. So it was a large liquidation event. And yesterday was up there in the books, you know, the first time in close to 18 months. The reason for that, well, there's actually a lot of volume in the market still, even though it might be a bear market. There's still a lot of people who are interested in trading. There's more depth than you've seen in previous bear markets. $20,000 Bitcoin doesn't mean that everyone's left. It actually means that there's actually pretty good stability. People are still interested in being part of the ecosystem. If you look at stablecoin numbers, you'll see there's actually about eight times as much stablecoins within the crypto market as there has been in previous cycles. So that's why there's so many liquidity events uh, like this one happening yesterday. If Bitcoin moves a little bit, well, there's going to be a lot of people who are feeling the pain on either side of the sword. Uh, Wendy, I'm going to throw this one up to you. You are a trading expert on the deck. Give me some fact checks if needed, but otherwise I want to hear your take on what's been happening the last 48 hours. No, it's been super exciting. It's nice to see this type of volatility. And I know it's kind of funny to say that because we're used to the bull market when everything's like pumping like crazy and we actually get like 30% pumps, 20% pumps. But this is exciting for the markets. One of the things I will say is obviously we do see more people that are actively trading in the markets than last bear market because primarily because of NFTs. And every single cycle, we seem to get more and more people that come in. 
When you were talking about the stable coins, I think that's another interesting thing because to me, that's indicating that people are still participating in DeFi and in NFTs. I do know some people that are actively trading NFTs. What they're doing is, is they're parking some of their Ethereum or whatever chain they're using for their NFT trading so they don't get into that volatility there and they're able to kind of protect their capital. Also too, I'm looking at the Bitcoin chart. I should have sent it to control before, but of course not mom. Duties got in the middle. It looks like we did finally break out of that really, really long downtrend that we've been in since we hit that $69,000 area back in about November of 2021. But we still do have a bit of a ways to go. I would personally would like to see it close above like 21,000 today, but things are looking good. Things are looking positive. I'm not a perma bear, but I still do think we will see a lot more downside later on, partially due to mining economics and all of that fun stuff. But just my opinion. Can I jump in really quick? Please. Wendy, I got to bring it up. The last call you had was pretty perma bear. Last time we were talking about Bitcoin going down, you said Mm $14,000 or lower. And we never quite got that low. I think we got as low as $17,000. We're not going to see it right now, though. So don't come at me like my TikTok matches. No, I do have bids set all the way down to $9,500 to get that scam with. Um, I'm hoping that it happens. However, I do have a bullish scenario as well. A good trader, a good investor doesn't speak in absolutes. So I'm hopefully still waiting for that capitulation. I don't think this was capitulation, but I could be wrong. Okay. I just Sometimes I think you're a perma bear, so I don't know. Zach, what's your thought? I just am thinking about that meme where it's like it, the stock goes up 1% and the guy's face is like, whoa. I don't know what the name of that whoa. meme is, but you know that meme that I'm talking about? Where it's like the 1% like, whoa. That's all I'm thinking about right now. Yeah, I have nothing well. intelligent to add to this conversation. But it is uh, interesting to see price go up. We've been used to price go down, price go up. Price go up, good. All right, that's all I got. Jen, mm-hmm. what do you got? Mm-hmm. I mean, I got the same thing. The price is up. This is great. I got nothing else to add to this conversation. So I think we could talk about Google now. Oh, well, Move on. You guys don't want to talk about markets. We'll do it. Come on. You got this. Come on, yeah. well, let's fight. Okay, subscribe to Windows and Mind Telegram channel for pump signals. That's all I'll oh, say. Let's move on to oh, Google. Geez. Talk about the next. <laughs> Can I still come? I want to. I just want to be included. Jen and Zach are not allowed. They're blacklisted. I'm reporting that as spam. I'm blocking. I'm <laughs> just letting you know, like my the, any of the chats that I'm in, there's nothing educational going on there at all. It's literally it's me talking about tacos or something absolutely inappropriate. But mm. anyways. Um, let's segue into the next story. Crypto winner is hurting Google's ad empire. Oh my. Again, more suits, more suits, and more centralization. During Alphabet's quarter three earnings call yesterday, Chief Business Officer Google said the financial services company cut back on search ad spending during the quarter. Alphabet is Google's parent company, and they reported disappointing results as revenue growth dipped to 6%. They said cutback in the insurance, loan, and mortgage crypto subcategories, which makes sense because all of those industries are currently hurting. People don't have money to necessarily take out mortgages. Rates are so darn high. Um, People are not advertising for crypto, which makes sense. We're in a bear market. And again, he referenced the crypto pullback twice, but didn't provide any third further details. One of the things that I will, will, will say that's important is last bear market, we saw Google come out and I want to say they banned all crypto advertising. Like if you were a crypto company, you could not take out an ad. You know, those little pop-up ads you get on your websites or whatever. I feel like that was banned. That was illegal. So I think that this headline is going to be a lot different than what we're seeing now. This is just saying that people aren't spending as much which on ads, which makes sense because we're not only in a crypto bear market, but we are in fact in a recession in the United States and in other areas as well. I want to actually toss this one to Zach. 
Yes, I got it. All right, cool. Yeah, this one, congratulations. We found the crypto angle on this one. Markets across the board are down bad. Certain sectors especially are down bad. The ones identified there are the ones that stand out. And crypto is among them. So I think it's interesting we see the real world uh, effects of a downturn in prices, right? But also we're seeing it in other sectors across the economy. So the fact that uh, Google is feeling that pinch a little bit, interesting to note. And I think it's cool that it made its way into the earnings call. So credit to CNBC for finding the crypto angle here. It's going to be interesting to see like ultimately how crypto projects, be they you know layer one foundations or uh, application level projects that are building on these layer ones. It's going to be interesting to see how they sort of position their war chest for what looks like a protracted bear market, right? This is crypto winter. This is also kind of on the precipice of a recession, more broadly speaking. So whether or not these teams are well capitalized enough and smart enough and prudent enough to manage their treasury so they can get through it and be in a good position to thrive come next bull market is the question. I think we're going to see little dribs and drabs of stories like this that indicate that spending on certain things is going to be down, right? In, if spending on Google ads is going to be down, what are those other categories are within the crypto space? It's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what shrivels up and what thrives in these leaner times. But those are my thoughts. I want to toss it to Jen because I know she thinks cogently about marketing stuff. So I'm going to toss it her way. Yeah, I zeroed in on uh, the same things that you did, Zach, and same with you, Wendy. I think it's interesting that we have the crypto angle because Google banned crypto ads so long ago. And now they're saying, oh, crypto companies aren't spending with us. But this is a much bigger story, right? We are heading into a recession. Definitely during the bull market, there was a lot more money pouring into this industry. And we all saw, we spoke about it so much that a lot of that money was going into advertising to try and get this mainstream audience to experiment and play around with the products. But right now during a bear market, that mainstream audience, I feel, is a little bit reluctant to come into a market that's down from when they first heard about it a few months ago or, or last year. And so this just this makes sense. It makes sense that crypto companies aren't spending on advertising. I know that it said it was down 6%. That wasn't like that much to me when we think about the macro economy and where we're heading. And so I think this just makes sense and is almost a little bit a road to boring. Crypto is just like every other industry now. Yeah. And Google's not the only one, you know, licking their wounds, right? There was a big Wall Street Journal story today, according to sources, that Andreessen Horowitz, A16Z, was down something like 40% on its big, big, big crypto fund, right? So that's a lot of paper wealth that's being wiped off the books. So that means that Google feels the pain, VCs are feeling the pain, projects are feeling the pain, and people are going to need to adjust to that new reality to make sure that they can continue to build toward that thing that they're dreaming of. Will, down to you. Okay, last take. This is not road to boring. I think this is actually overreaction corner. We have a new segment, okay? (laughs) Google saying in their Q3 reporting, it is overreaction corner. Google saying in their Q3 reporting that cryptocurrencies were a reason that the revenue was down tells you where everything is going, right? Google gets its revenue from where? Ads. And if cryptocurrencies are a big part of their ads, then Google has to go where the puck is going in the future now. And they're noting that. In the past, we've seen so many different cryptocurrency projects try to say they are working with Google. But I think Google's been waiting for something like this, right? Where you see so much intention from mainstream consumers to use cryptocurrencies that it's going into their revenue streams. Well, now Google is forced to integrate into crypto, forced to cater to it in a more meaningful way. Wendy, just like you said, in the past, there's been a lot of stuff around Google blacklisting or not allowing a lot of cryptocurrency stuff on its website, not allowing advertising. But if it's becoming a large portion of their budget, I mean, they have to cater to it. They have a growing team. They have growing ambitions. They're probably the most important internet company in the world. 
I do think that if they're saying that this is a reason for the revenues being down, then in the future, you're going to see more integrations from Google because it's only in their best interest. I got to say this too. I think that this is super important to note that marketing is very is something that's very frowned upon in the crypto industry, but it's something that is so accepted in global industries and like normal industries. So Google coming out and saying, hey, this is really hurting our revenue that we're seeing a lot less crypto advertisements. That just kind of makes it seem to me that we're coming more into mainstream. If a big company like Google is like sad that they don't have this ad revenue because they're making money, that just goes to show me that this is going to be something that is going to be allowed in the future. One question I do have is I wonder why these public servants are not seeing this as a monetary gain possibility if Google's talking about it. Again, I talk about the regulators not wanting to work with us, which in fact, they should want to work with the crypto industry to get that taxpayer dollars, even though I think taxes are a scam. But again, you should always pay your taxes. That's all I got. Zengo Crypto Wallet is an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which until now has only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. Zengo is the most secure Web3 wallet and the best place to keep your digital currency, NFTs, and assets secure. It's also fully recoverable using the wallet's biometric recovery kit. Get started at zengo.com slash hash and use code hash to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web 3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women, investing in women, and bridging the gender gap in wealth through Web 3. Each week, we'll be learning from powerful women, sharing their insights on topics like creating belonging and inclusivity in the digital spaces, the metaverse, building prosperous Web3 projects, investing in cryptocurrencies and building wealth. And we have how-tos from founders and builders who have been there and done that, healing sessions to give you the power to overcome imposter syndrome and everything you need to level up in your crypto journey. At the end of each podcast, stick around for some Zen with a relaxing meditation to center you after absorbing all the stories and the knowledge. I'm your host, Cams, and I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur, this podcast is for you. Let's get it. We're talking about... NFTs now. So Reddit launched NFTs and they are giving some popular projects a run for their money. So the Polygon-based NFT collections have a cumulative sales volume or cumulative sales volumes rather, topping $6.5 million on Tuesday morning with Spooky Season created by Reddit oh. user Poyi with a trading volume of 538 ETH, putting it right behind the board Ape Yacht Club, which is sitting at 642 ETH. Reddit NFTs. I don't know, guys. I don't spend a lot of time on Reddit. I definitely know the community element that goes on there. I know the people on Reddit are very passionate and those communities are super awesome, but I could not have predicted that Reddit was going to bring NFTs back into the headline to this magnitude. Zach, I saw your hand go up. What do you think? I think there's been a lot of interesting chatter on crypto Twitter about Reddit NFTs being great at putting NFTs into the background, right? This isn't like 
buy an NFT. This is like buy something that you like for your experience on Reddit. And that's resonated with people and has become a really interesting sort of onboarding path where NFT, the technology, fades into the background. And the thing itself is the thing that is showcased front and center, right? So I think it's an interesting way to think about what NFTs, divorced from that term, NFT, can ultimately look like on some of these mainstream platforms. So the fact that that has hit a nerve and has found success, I think is, is interesting and something that should be noted across the space, right? Like, hey, maybe in some instances, you might be more successful marketing these things as what they are rather than the token standard that enables them to be, right? And I think that's maybe the story that I think people in the chattering classes of the crypto world are noticing with this as these numbers surge, right? So interesting that this is finding uh, a product market fit and not necessarily, you know, slapping it front and center that it is an NFT, right? It's an avatar that you can own that's cool, that's easy to buy, three steps, you're in, you're out, it's quick, it's easy, rather than like, oh, let's like, let's slam them with the NFT marketing language and figure out how to bring people into the tent that way. So that to me is the stuff that I've been noticing around uh, the conversation with this one. But yeah, there's definitely, definitely a lot to talk here. So I'll, I'll toss it to Wendy on this one. First off, sir, they are Reddit digital collectibles. They are not NFTs. Go. Okay. Okay. Exactly Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, I actually covered this. I covered this the story with NFTs. <laughs> you know what? I don't care what they are, just as long as people are getting the bag as ethically as possible. I don't care. I'm super excited. I actually covered this on my, when Polygon kind of partnered with Reddit a while back, I told my audience, I was like, you guys, you should pay attention to this. This is a big deal. I believe they also created 3 million wallets um, recently with all the people that are trading these and having fun with them. I think it's absolutely great. And also to full disclosure, I do own a nice moon bag of Polygon Matic. So I'm very excited about this news. Number goes up. But it's great. And my stepson, actually, he was the one that mentioned Bitcoin to me back in 2011. But he's big on Reddit. And he bought one of these digital collectible NFTs for 50 bucks, And he flipped it for 1.9 ETH. So super, super proud of him. Super happy. But it's a really great way to get people involved into NFTs without knowing that they're, what they're actually doing. So this is positive. And I really think that NFTs are going to be the catalyst for the term mass adoption. I'm with you, Wendy. I Interesting think that- takes. Yeah, I'll I'll toss it to you, Will, and then I'll say what I think. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Jen. No, I actually have a limited take on this one. Don't have much on it. I I just want to give a little (laughs) slow clap to Reddit for finally getting Ethereum project across the finish line. We've been waiting, I think, for years for them to actually get anything done with it. Every year I hear about some sort of L2 integration that does not really come to pass. So this one actually did it, right? So actually, congrats to the team on doing that. In terms of adoption, I do think like Reddit has a huge user base. And crypto used to be there, but not really. Like, there's a few subreddits that are kind of cryptocurrency savvy, but for the most part, the conversations there are a little stale. Most people are not really interested. It's not the same conversations that you see on Twitter. So it is cool to see crypto go back onto Reddit and sort of enliven the conversation there once again. And if we are interested in mass adoption, then you do have to keep all those different social networks up to date on what's happening in crypto. And it seems like NFTs are a good fit for Reddit, right? They they make sense on Twitter in a limited way. Like we have these profile picture NFTs and we have a few other things. But for the most part, the NFT chatter on Twitter sort of died after a while. And I think Reddit might be a good place for it to go in the future. That being said, I'm not an NFT connoisseur or a digital collectible connoisseur, as Wendy put it. Jen, I'll throw it over to you. They're getting there, Will. Every day, it just gets, you get a little bit more into it. I can tell you don't hate NFTs anymore, which I love. Uh, Wendy, I'm totally with you. I think that the term NFT needs to be removed from marketing language 
when, when I'm working with companies and consulting, I, I kind of recommend like, if you're talking to the mainstream media, don't use NFT. What's your CVP without NFT? Why is this cool for people to use? And if, if all you have is an NFT, I don't think that that's mainstream adoption. I think though that you do need a press release that explains the technology that uses NFT for media like this, like Coindesk, like the different crypto publications, because there are people who are interested in that. But for mainstream adoption, I don't know. I just think we're going towards a place where we don't need to talk about the technology because it, in, it should enable something that people want to do, people want to use without this fun little thing that we like to talk about every day here on Hash. All right. Can um, we call them I wanna... digital tchotchkes? How about that? Can we yes. do that one? No, because that's boomer mm. language. But I, I want to chime in really quick. I think Will needs a <laughs> counterparty NFT because I feel like those are more Bitcoin-esque NFTs. But anyways, but Jen, I was actually going to disagree with you. But then the way that you phrased it made perfect sense. Because let's face it, when we talk well, about technology, like when we talk about using our cell phones, we talk about use, like buying TVs, we don't know how these actually work. And I think that you're right. Digital collectibles sounds a lot more friendly. Me, myself, again, I got, you know, I put myself through community college by selling used goods on eBay. So the flipping of, of items that have value makes sense to me. And I think that most people feel the same. We see a lot of people, especially now with this recession, flipping secondhand goods on like Craigslist or OfferUp or wherever, wherever there's an online market. So I feel like calling these digital collectibles is something a lot more user-friendly. And then, of course, when you're doing the consulting, like have the team or whomever, you know, explain what the technology is, NFTs. Even though we said the term, even though the term NFT is short for non-fungible token, it's still a little bit off-putting because of mainstream media, etc. But Will, I think your hand went up. You guys got to pick the words you want. First, you like Web3, then you um, don't like it. You want to use NFT. Now it's too old and you want to use digital collectible. You, guys? you have to pick something. Is it us? Me yeah, and Wendy? You two. You two on the right side <laughs> of the screen. Wendy Chotskis. and Chotskis. We're going with Chotsky. Yeah, that's where we're going. We're going over here. Just how it is nowadays. Speaking of it's definitions and taxonomy for crypto, though, let's go to Zach's next story. And talk about big <laughs> old essay thing. that came out yesterday. Yeah, let's go. Let's go talk about some writing. So this is a piece that you should check out. This is Bloomberg's Matt Levine. He is well regarded in the space for thoughtful uh, essays, posts, riffs on economic issues of all stripes. He's been pretty smart about crypto for the last few years, and he has now written a forty thousand word piece. It's the whole. Bloomberg Business Week this time around. It's about crypto. And he is asking you to think through it a little bit more than you might have already done so. So there's a lot of good stuff in here. Could go any number of ways on this one. I think, you know, the thing that stood out to me is sort of like, you know, crypto proposes new solutions to old problems. Not all of them are going to work, but even when they don't work, they're illuminating for how they don't work. And I feel like that's a really intellectually honest way to look at all the noise and all the interest and all the things that are going on in crypto on any given day. So I'm going to toss this straight to Will for his initial thoughts on what is a big cover story for crypto as a whole. Okay. I got to preface this by saying I have not read it yet. And I think it's okay that I have not read it yet because it's 40,000 words and it only came out the other day. So you got to give me a little slack there. That being said, I think there's a few things to bring up. One, Matt Levine is well-respected in all circles financial at this point. His writing's legendary. People read his Bloomberg takes every single day of the week. And they look forward to it, which is rare for a newsletter. Most people don't have that ability to continue writing for this long on various subjects and continue to get people to be interested in whatever you have to say. So I think it's great to see that someone with that background and acumen is the one pushing for these ideas for crypto. 
think that is probably the most important thing out of this. The second thing is, you know, we're in a bear market. Why should anyone care about this? The fact that this was cover to cover, the part of Bloomberg's magazine, that's a huge deal. People still care about crypto. And the fact that we have a little bit more intellectual curiosity at this point in the cycle, that stands good things for crypto. You know, last cycle, when we were around this point, I think the good corollary would be like November of 2018, about $6,000 per Bitcoin. There wasn't a lot of interest, right? Everyone was just kind of like watching it. Bitcoin was trading sideways and then Bitcoin actually plunged down to $3,000 per coin. And there's a lot of death calls for Bitcoin. Oh, it's failed. It's totally failed. Well, this time around, we're hovering around $20,000 per coin. And you know, it might drop again. doesn't really matter though. There's mainstream interest in these topics as seen by Matt Levine's latest piece. Wendy, I'll throw it up to you. Get your take. Um, I just want to kind of reference that meme that says, I'm sorry this happened or I'm happy this happened, but I'm not going to read that or something like that. That's a lot of, <laughs> a lot. 40,000 words is a, a lot big, big <laughs> A lot. I like short and concise things. No, I just have ADHD and then my mind starts going in all these millions of places. So thank you guys for summarizing this for me so I don't have to read it. But again, I think that it is important that somebody that has a massive audience like this is talking about cryptocurrency. It doesn't matter if it's a bear market, a bull market, whatever it is. The fact that we're getting recognition by somebody kind of outside of the industry does speak volumes to me. Maybe I will listen to an audiobook of this once it comes out so I can stay focused. But I'm here for it 100% regardless if it's good or bad. It's just more exposure. And I want to toss it to Jen. Yeah, I feel like this is a little bit of an iconic moment for crypto, right? The entire business week, 40,000 words by Matt Levine. Um, in one of his intros, I also didn't read it, but I did take a little scan through uh, the first couple pages before the show, you know, just to prepare. He says that crypto has dug itself into finance, into technology and into our heads. And if crypto isn't going away, we better understand it. And I think that's just like so perfectly said, right? The way he writes, I feel like is accessible to an audience outside of crypto. And he goes through the entire history. You know, he starts with why a distributed ledger. He goes through how, you know, most things in the modern era are recorded on a ledger. And then he goes all the way into the, the depths of DeFi, CeFi and Web3. And so I think for people who are trying to understand what's going on during this bear market to prep for, for the next time that we're all celebrating in a bull market, this is a great document, a great resource. Maybe we can treat it a little bit like a textbook. You know, we always say, go and do your own research. And if you don't know where to start, I feel like a 40,000 piece written by Matt Levine is a, is a great place to start. We really should have gotten George Kaloudis on this show because I know he is a big mm. Matt Levine stand. So we should have really gotten George here to talk about it. But I think you're right, Jen, this is maybe one of those foundational documents. The only last time that, that Bloomberg Business Week did this was in 2015 with that piece, What is Code by Paul Ford which was uh, widely discussed and well-regarded as well. So the fact that this is a somewhat definitive take on the history of crypto up till now uh, is certainly worth noting. And I think also he makes a good case for why it's worth pondering this stuff now. Like during the bear market, we have a little bit of room to ponder some of these foundational issues, some of these first principles of what crypto is meant to accomplish. So given, given uh, he makes a compelling case for why this should be written now as opposed to when Price mania is the only thing that everyone can focus on. Will, I saw your hand tossing it to you. Last take on this. This man writes a newsletter every day, and it's very lengthy, right? It's, it's not a short newsletter. And if you've read the op-ed, I think it was in the New York Times, or a profile in the New York Times, Matt Levine, you'll know that he wakes up very early every morning in order to write his newsletter before Wall Street wakes up. And he goes over tons of different documentation from the previous day to 
get the, you know, the story of that day for everybody. So I'm curious how he found the time to write 40,000 words on crypto in between all of that. That's just like some encouragement for everyone out there who's looking to crush their job a little bit more. This man wrote 40,000 words in the middle of his uh, seven-day week newsletter, five-day week newsletter. Bravo. Hats off. Savage. That's good stuff. All right. That's it for the show today. This is Wednesday. This is the day after Taco Tuesday, as stated by Jan. I think that's a good way to think about it around here. We'll be back again tomorrow. That's Thursday. It's two days after Taco Tuesday. I am Zach. That is Jen. Wendy, Will, we're here for the hash. Check us out on the podcast network if you haven't. A lot of good audio content from Coindesk. Good stuff over there. All right, that's it. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.